Welcome to See Our Studies. Join us each week as we take a deep dive into the Word of God, start a conversation, and discuss how it applies to our lives today. Welcome to, wait, which week is this? Four? <laughs> We're going to keep, keep that in right there. Welcome to the next week in See Our Studies, One in Rome podcast. <laughs> We need a theme song. We do need a theme song. Um, well, I'm Jenna, and I'm here today with three guests. <laughs> you may have known them as your hosts the past few weeks. Um, no, but actually, we're here with uh, Wes, JD, and Jason today. Hello. Hey, everybody. What's poppin'? We're glad to be here. And uh, we have some important things to discuss. As you may know, the Texas State Fair is arriving Howdy, this week. folks. <laughs> My name is Big Tex. <laughs> Do you know that having a fear of big techs is a real thing? Well, I can imagine after it caught on fire that one time. <laughs> that was so scary. Was Giant terrifying. animatronic man <laughs> on fire. So, so real quick, when's the last time everybody was at the State Fair? Last year. Last year. Last year. When was the last time you were at the State Fair, Probably Jason? 20 years ago. Oh. No joke. Guys, we got to get Jason to the Speaking of which, I'm going to need, need to put in a vacation request, actually. With yeah. <laughs> Dead serious. <laughs> Everybody that thinks Jason should go to the State Fair, make sure you message him and demand that he takes a day off to go to the fair this, this year. This will be a great way to find out if anyone's listening to this yeah, podcast. That's 100%. If you have my – matter of fact, I'll give you my phone number. No. I don't have my phone. <laughs> I was about to give you Wes's number. Uh, <laughs> text State Fair, too. <laughs> No, yeah. If you if anybody reaches out, we'll know that somebody listened. Just message them on Facebook. It's easy. Yeah, do that. Go sure. for it. It'll be fine. Go for it. All right, and in you can state also email me on crossroadsroulette.org. Man, I wonder that is a legit way to tell if people are even listening though, because I uh, so I'm in a class um, on online on our online re- recorded lectures. Um, the professor was like, hey, send me an email that, you know, we, I want to set up a one-on-one Zoom with you. And I'm like, ooh, that's going to get some people. Some people are not watching these things. And yep, they're never going to email them. But. All right, Wes, sorry. So every year, State Fair, <laughs> there are new foods at the State Fair. So here's what I need because there's a lot of them. I just need a quick yes or no and not an evaluation, Jason Collins. All right, here we go. Not an evaluation of Jason Collins? Of the food <laughs> by Jason Collins. at Jason Collins. Okay, gotcha. All right, here we go. Blooming Onion, first year at the State Fair. Yes. 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 Raspberry Chipotle Jalapeno Popper Grilled Cheese. No. I'm in. Yes. 1,000% yes. Monte Cristo? Yes. 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 Cornbread Sausage Bomb? Yes. 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 Uh, a Churio. That's like a sausage bomb tamale. Yes. So Churio, this is a... Oreo churro. Yes. I'm in on that. Yes, I'm in. I'm in. I'm out. Okay. Wow. Mm. I'll take wow. Strawberry mm. shortcake. Explain. Strawberry shortcake sopapilla. I'm out. I'm in. I'm in. I'm out. Deep fried candy pecan bacon bread pudding. I'm out. In. I'm in. I gotta try it. I'm, I'm in. out. I'm in. Uh, bougie grilled cheese. I don't know what that means. Does that have like lobster on it? It looks like something? it has lettuce on it. I'm in. I'm out. I'm uncomfortable with the yeah, word I'm bougie. Out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm out. Um, I just hate that word. Deep fried honey butter brisket swirl. It yes. looks like yeah. a brisket yes. onion ring. Yeah, I like all I'm, the I'm words you said. In. Sorry, brisket cinnamon roll. That's more what it looks like. Brisket. Oh. Um, all those words were great. All right, we'll do uh, two more. Deep fried surf and turf empanada. I'm out. No, I'm not out. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm out. I'm in. I'm in for. I'm here for it. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'm here for it. I'm here for it too, as the youngins would say. Um, And then the last one, the fruity pebble pickle. 
out. No, nope. out. 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 That out. That's, that's the word. I couldn't be more out. Like, out. That I, sounds <laughs> disgusting. That's so bad. That sounds like a like a kid, like a two year old, got into your kitchen and sh- like crammed things together. And here's yeah. the deal: that thing is going to cost fourteen dollars, <laughs> and if they were giving it away for free, I would say no thanks. Actually, JD, it would be uh, twenty eight tickets. Yes, right. Okay. Yeah. Fine. I would I would say no thank you. If it were free. Is that yeah. is that what fourteen dollars equals the state fair? I they, I think they're a dollar each now. I it's think a dollar they, they keep each? raising the price. The coupon of is a yeah. dollar. Why do they do that? Just what do take, the tickets look like? Can well, we just print some? It makes you. I think that's illegal. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you're unaware of how many coupons and how much money you're actually spending. Oh, yeah, I will not be unaware. Just but I will take probably not be currency. there. <laughs> that's their. Jason, you have to go to the fair. <laughs> so um, we'll just go real quick. Last part of this great informative section of the podcast. What's your favorite part of the state fair? Mm. <clears throat> being uh, being at my house. That's so lame. This is the worst take you have, and you've got some really bad ones. And this okay. is the worst one. I love the firework water show at night with like the light parade, all that, that stuff. Cool. I love that. Confusing. I, I like going and sitting Fire in all the cars water. that I'll never be able to afford. That's kind of fun it's for fun. me. I'm just like, wow, this is this is nice. Yeah. I don't want to sit where a whole ten thousand other people have sat. Well, dude, <laughs> I mean, you are sitting in a chair right now. Yeah, where, I don't know where probably where multiple churches have sat. I know Lots these people. people, dude. I don't care about that. I'll go sit in the massage chair. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care. Like, I'm out. You're at the state fair, of Texas. You're picking up something. Like you're, it's not. No, I'm out, Wes. Well, mine is the food. Nobody's shocked by that. But deep I'm fried, that. deep fried Mexican firecracker. So it's like deep fried tamale stuffed with chicken, cheese, jalapeno. It's awesome. We get it every year. Does it come with yeah. a, an acid? It does not. <laughs> but every food at the state yeah. fair should yeah. come yeah. with a free pack Here's of Here's this and a shot of Pepto Bismol. Just give me the corn dog and a lemonade. And I do. The corn dogs yeah. are delicious. The state fair is brought to you by diarrhea. Oh, this is all right. We should jump into Romans, Romans. chapter three. Romans chapter three. No, hold on one second though. Oh. You, you gotta know, go back. You know the uh, wow, that's loud. Um, you know the guy that like is up sit like looks like he's sitting up on that pole, but like he has no legs. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that guy walking around. He's an imposter. Like he's got legs, guys. Well, I think he's supposed to have legs in the trick. He 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 sits like crisscross applesauce. I'm not sure how that optical illusion works, oh, but I am. I've I have no idea up. what we're talking about. You know the guy? He's like just insulting everyone. He's, he's an imposter. He's an imposter. Okay. Yeah. He, maybe he, I'm thinking about a different thing. He, and he's been there for a long he time. He has legs. All right. So don't fall for it, guys. <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it here, heard it here first. first. John David Lowry. <laughs> While you're trying to figure that out, eat you a Fletcher's corny dog and go to the state fair this oh, year. See, yeah. That's good. Good stuff. It is good. All right, Um, we're going to jump in. So I'm going to start reading Romans 3. Verse 1, so what advantage does the Jew have? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Considerable in every way. First, they were entrusted with the very words of God. What then? If some were faithful, would their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Absolutely not. Let God be true, even though everyone is a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and triumph when you judge. But if our righteousness highlights God's righteousness, um, if our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness, what are we to say? Am I using a human argument? Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? Absolutely not. Otherwise, how will God judge the world? But if by my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? 
And why not say, just as some people slanderously claim, we say, let us do what is evil so that good may come. Their condemnation is deserved. Hmm. <clears throat> Can I just jump out here with something? Yeah, um, go for it. Something that amazed me here uh, and I found a lot of comfort in, and this has been a text of challenge and conviction, but something I found a lot of comfort in, weirdly, is uh, it says, to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? And the answer is no. Um, and I find a lot of comfort there that in my own behavior. I think sometimes I put a lot of pressure on myself to, like, be this person that, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a minister of the gospel. I gotta, And I'm not saying I shouldn't walk above reproach because I absolutely should. But sometimes I think we put, like, I can put pressure on myself to be, like, this perfect person. And But the reality is my faithlessness does not nullify the faithfulness of God. And that's also true of other people. Like if I put other people up on this pedestal and one day I find out they didn't meet the expectation that I thought they would meet, that does not mean that God is not faithful still. God is faithful beyond any of our abilities to, to uphold this, this standard or whatever it, it is. God is going to be faithful. And so the, the people of Israel here, they, they walked in supreme faithlessness like they were horrible they they were always turning their back on god but god never once recanted his covenant with them um i know jason you love to talk about the uh the covenant in uh the abrahamic covenant yeah. in, in quit bible and you can kind of walk through that for a second but like uh, like god walked through that that path could you kind of explain that for a second because like god yeah. upholds both ends of the covenant right but yeah old testament old testament covenants you know like if if you know Wes and JD were going to, you know, agree to buy and sell a piece of land at a certain price. Um, you know, they didn't have written documents. It's We'd not, have to own some land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Finding it, land. <laughs> it's not like today. You know, you go get a cell phone and you got to fill out a 73-page contract in order to do it. Well, they didn't have written contracts. It was in a written tradition. They didn't have all those kind of things. So it was an oral agreement. And the way they would solidify an oral agreement was they would take some sort of an animal. Usually the size was an indicator of kind of the value of the agreement. Um, and they would uh, sacrifice it. They would cut it in half. Um, and they would walk through the the blood of this animal together and basically signifying that we're both going to uphold this. And if either of us doesn't, then let what happened to this animal happen to us. Mm. So not a lot of people backed out of covenants because people didn't want to get ripped in half. Um, you know, in the Abrahamic covenant, they take a whole slew of animals um, and uh, God kind of makes an appearance um, supernaturally, and, and he and Abraham are going to walk through it, and Abraham's like, yeah, I'll uphold my end. God will uphold his end. Um, but then God puts Abraham to sleep, and God goes through alone. Mm. And signifying that for God, he's going like, if, if God's saying, if I don't hold up to my end, I'll take the punishment. But then he's also saying, if Abraham doesn't hold up to his end, I'll still take the punishment. Mm. And that is, and, and so let, if, if Abraham fails, let what happened to these things happen to me, which is really foreshadowing to the cross. To Jesus, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're seeing Christ in that of going, I'm going to let the sin of these people, the penalty of it, fall upon me. And you get that picture all the way back. I mean, you get it several times all the way back in the, the Old Testament and really, you know, the first time in the, the Proto-Evangelium in Genesis mm. chapter 3, kind of giving us an indication of that. Um, because God is faithful. Mm -hmm. And he and not only is he faithful, he planned to be faithful before the world ever started, knowing that we would screw it up. Yeah. 
that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. That's how faithful God is, that he had a plan to be faithful to that promise before we were ever created. We, he didn't create us and then go, wow, we got we to gotta find a rescue plan here. That's not how this worked. I love how in this just this text right here, Paul talks about several attributes of God. He talks about that faithfulness that you yeah. discussed. And then he gets into God as being absolute truth and absolutely truthful and then talks about God's righteousness. Um, and I love those things. I think when we think about God's truthfulness, it is shocking when we consider that no one else, like to have ever existed, that will ever exist, um, besides Jesus, is absolutely truthful. I mean, we know that we see that in our own lives, um, but it's it's cool to reflect that that God is absolutely truthful. Like every word that comes from his mouth, every promise, everything that he says is absolutely truthful, and we get to build our lives upon that. Yeah, I, one of the cool things, I was just thinking about the, the differences between us and God, which there are many, but the fact that like in our life, we strive to be faithful. We strive to do things like tell the truth, but God's faithfulness and his truthfulness, it's who he is. Like he can't help but be faithful. Yeah. He can't help but be honest, but be full of truth. I just think that's so cool to think about. Yeah, and you get in this, it's this really interesting concept that still some people wrestle with to this day of going, well, if we want to magnify God's faithfulness, then I'll screw up more. Hmm. Because if I screw up more, God gets to get glory by forgiving me of my sin, um, by, by, you know, by kind of pouring out more redemption on me. I mean, that's the argument that they're getting into in those following verses. Um, is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? He goes, you know, absolutely not. Otherwise, how will God judge the world? Uh, he says, if uh, verse 7, but if by my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still judged as a sinner? And why not say... Just as some people slanderously claim, let us do whatever is evil so that good may come. So they're making the argument, well, I should just go on sinning more because then we get to glory. We, God gets more glory for his faithfulness and redemption and forgiveness. And Paul is, uh, I mean, he's really, he's really passive in his answer. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, and, and, and the literal translation is way more aggressive than that. Uh, but he's like, no, you, that's, if, if that's your understanding of grace, you misunderstand grace. That would be like me saying, um, man, I, I had an affair on my wife, and she forgave me, and everyone looked up to her for her ability to forgive me. So therefore, I should go have more affairs. Mm. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. By the way, Crystal, if you're listening... That has never happened and never will. Yep. And it, when it says and their condemnation is, is just, like Paul's like, yeah, yeah, no, like those people should go to hell and they will. Um, and that condemnation is absolutely just because you've completely missed. Yeah. You don't understand the gospel if you think that's what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a free pass to do whatever we want. No. It is freedom to do what he wants. Yes. And it's, it's also like not an understanding of even what sin is. Um, I think so often we think like, I mean, I say we like, I think there's a, a huge misconception about this grace and about sin and what it. Some people might say, "Well, to it's like God's wanting to like steal your fun," and that's mm. not at all. Like God's not a, a fun thief. Sin is death, and even if it feels good in the temporary, it leads to nothing that is truly good. Like it leads to nothing that is positive ever. Period. 
Now you might be like, well, JD, JD, what about this thing? And I'll say, you know, it might feel good in the moment, but at, whenever it's all said and done, I promise you, you will reg- like it will not be fruitful. It will not be positive in the net of your whole life. And it's like, well, you know, I I stole this thing. And, you know, and I made tons of money doing like some some dishonest work. And I'm like, okay, that and you may never get caught from it in the world. But I promise you, in the grand scheme of things, you will live with some level of regret because it, there's something within each of us that is inherent yeah. that we understand good and evil. And one day, whenever you stand before the Lord and you're like, yeah, God, look at all this these riches that I embezzled or like look at all, all this fun that I've had or whatever, you're going to, even if you're a believer, you might look into heaven and see that that stuff is just, it's tainted, it's rubbish, it's sinful, and Jesus is so much better. And I think sometimes we, we forget that even as believers. We, we, we think you know, that's how we get tempted and drawn into sin is whenever we're like, well, that stuff looks good, but we're we're forgetting that Jesus is so much better than that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And it, it can lead to, to, to sadness and it can lead to, to frustration and uh, despair, even as believers. Yeah, I think as we look at this, we need to ask the question, like, if our motivation in accepting the gospel is a free pass to sin, have we truly made Jesus the Lord of our lives? Because yeah. um, what we see in Scripture is when we do make Jesus the Lord of our lives— not only do we we don't feel obligated to obey it is the joy of our lives to obey christ and to follow his example it is our honor and our joy and our privilege to strive to live our lives like christ so it shouldn't feel like an obligation or a burden but it is truly a joy and i think we have to work towards that because our our fleshly desires want to pull us back towards sin but truly it's a privilege that we get to um just to fight to obey christ in our lives Yeah, because the question that's asked, like, it's not in this exact text, but, like, should we keep on sinning so grace may abound? Yeah. is just a selfish question. Yeah. Like, it reveals something about our heart that we just want to live the way we want to live. So it actually reveals a selfishness in us. And really what Paul's getting at is, like, what's the best way to live out the gospel, to broadcast the faithfulness of God, is actually just to live like him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not to figure out how to live like the world and say I'm a believer. It's actually to live like Christ so that people would see Christ and then he would get more glory from our life. And it's just better. It's just better, like objectively. Like yeah. it is just better to walk in holiness. And uh, we, we cheapen that and we forget that so often. Yeah, there's a song. Um, we used to sing it a lot here, but it's an Austin Stone song called Jesus, Jesus is Better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you've Jason, you've talked about it a lot, but like this idea of like, Jesus is better than the worst of everything, yep. but he's also better than the best, best of everything that the world can offer. Mm-hmm. And, like, what a reminder. Like, we think sin sometimes can get us to this even good place worldly, but Jesus is better than the best that this world offers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, go, it goes back to the, you know, the, there's the, the old saying, like, if you're, if, you're, if you're a non-believer, then this world for you is as good as it gets. Mm. But if you are a believer then this world for you is as bad as it gets. Like it is, it, it is a better choice, but, but we're so, we're so, I mean, this is really opening up the eyes to temptation because what they're, what they're saying ultimately are what, what you're, what Paul's reading into this is people going, well, I'm saved. Can I still do this? How close can I get to this? Well, if I do this, you know, God can get glorified for it. Basically I want to keep on doing my sinful thing mm-hmm. and glorify God in the process. And, 
it, it's it's a it's what it's that question you know as a youth pastor you get all the time you know how like, far is too far how, how, how far, far is too far, far. <laughs> yeah. how, and I'm like man that that's the wrong question it's 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 revealing something in your heart of you're asking the question of how close can I stand to sin without sinning instead of asking the question how close can I stand to God mm-hmm. it's it's the wrong approach in general if you're trying to figure out how close you can stand to sin then you already revealed you have no business playing with it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the fishing lure analogy, right? You know, it looks, it looks like great. food. It looks like what you want. But the moment that you consume it, it sets its hook in your life and leads you to death. Yeah. And even to Jenna's point, talking about the truth, the truthfulness of God, um, everyone is a liar. Everyone else is everyone, a liar. Everyone. Just an objectively true <laughs> statement. Everybody's a liar, a dirty, rotten liar. Yeah. And so often we're chasing after the sin. A lot of times it's because we're trying to chase after other people or we're trying to can, like live like this world or be like this world or be accepted or whatever. And what the lie, ironically, the lie of this is like we think if we can just get to this thing, then somehow we will have acceptance from everybody else or we will have uh, – joy with everyone else or, or we'll have this this level of achievement and it, it's just a lie but the closer we get to god we find how truthful and how true and how just and how righteous and how great he is and a lot of times we talk about things that look too good to be true god is as good as he is true and if you get if you if we chase after god we'll find that he does not leave us or abandon us or forsake us, but we, in him we find comfort and peace and joy. And it's all true, and it's not too good to be true. It is just true, yeah. and it is just good. Yeah. Um, and so, we, man, it's better. Jesus is yeah. better. I am the way, the truth, and yeah. the life. Yep. Um, well, uh, we, need, we need to pick me up. So, uh, uh, Jenna, I want you to read the rest of the section <laughs> we're going to cover today. Um, <laughs> All right. It's we'll a jump. teaser of hope right yeah, there. there right, right. We'll jump um, back into verse 9. Uh, Paul writes, What then? Are we any better off? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are subject to the law, so that every mouth may be shut, and the whole world may become subject to God's judgment. For no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law, because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. Mm. Fun fun times. Um, And we mentioned in the last podcast about how... uh, Sometimes there's a temptation to kind of laugh this off and be like, yeah, but like good news is coming, you know. And but I think, again, this week we want to sit in this um, and just recognize it. I, I had the privilege to teach this week in our Roman study. Um, and my first point for this whole thing was is super simple. It's all people are bad. Yeah. Objectively. Like in they are simply bad. There are zero good people. And this this passage, Paul's kind of quoting from Psalm 14 here, and I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to read the first three verses. It says, The fool says in his heart there is no God, 
They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, any who seek after God. They all have turned aside. Together they have been corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So he's quoting a psalm here whenever he's talking about this. Um, so this this text in Psalms that the psalmist is referring to honestly kind of reminds me of, of, of like about this whole there are none righteous, not even one. Kind of reminds me of uh, in Genesis whenever um, Abraham is pleading with God for uh, the safety of his nephew Lot in Sodom. And uh, he's talking to God and he's like, you know, if, if there's just 50 righteous, will you, will you destroy the entire city with these 50 righteous people in there? Would you let the righteous perish with the wicked? And then God's like, I wouldn't do that. And he's like, okay, well, what, what about 40? And then what about, and God's like, I wouldn't do it. And he's like, well, what about 30? And he's like, I wouldn't do it. And he's like, well, if it pleases the Lord, can I just come once more time? And he's like, what about, what about 20? And God's like, no. And he's like, well, what about, what about if there's just 10 righteous people? And God's like, I will not destroy the city. And yet he proceeds to destroy, destroy the, city. the city. Here's the reality. There wasn't a single righteous person in Sodom. There was not one single one. Not even Lot, not Abraham. Would, like Abraham, if he were in Sodom, he, I mean, Scripture talks about how it was, his faith was counted to him as righteousness, but he still relied upon the, the blood of Jesus ultimately for his own salvation. Like he had faith in a, in a Messiah who would come. He had faith in, in God that would make a way, but ultimately he was still, he didn't necessarily understand what was coming, but he was in some way relying on God's provision in his life. Um, there's not a single person righteous in Sodom, and there's not a single person that's righteous in this world. If God's going to destroy the world, we all deserve it. Yeah, and it's worse than we think. Mm. Yep. Um, because not only like so, here's here's how oftentimes we think this works: is we go, um, okay, so I'm unrighteous, but I went to a service, or I read the Bible, or I you know had whatever whatever experience with God that I had, and I chose to surrender my life to God. My, the initiating work of my salvation was I began a, a process of choosing to follow God. And yet the text here in verse 11 is very clear. It says, there's no one who even seeks God. Yeah. The initiating action of your salvation is not you going, I'm going to walk an aisle, fill out a card, respond digitally, uh, raise my hand, pray a prayer, all that stuff. The initiating moment of your salvation is not that you sought God. It's that God sought you mm. in your unrighteousness. Mm. And that is, to me, that's, I mean, like, that's how broken we are. Like, you know, if, you, if you're unhealthy, you can get to a, like, like if you're eating unhealthy, you can get to a place where I'm like, man, I really need to eat better. If you're, if you're, you know, physically unfit, you can go, I can really need to work out. If you're financially unstable, you can go, man, I gotta, I gotta have better practices. But we were so unrighteous spiritually. We never even went, we should do better than this. Mm. Mm-hmm. God went, I, no, I'm going to come to you. Like if, 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 if your heart's going to be changed, it's going to be changed because I initiated something. I sought you and you weren't righteous. Yeah. Like I didn't, he didn't go seek out good people. He, these are almost back-to-back statements. There's no one righteous, not even one, no one who understands, and yet, and no one seeks God. But then there's this understanding, God seeks us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that's what's wild. Even with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, if we equate that to the world, God would not destroy the world if there was one righteous person. But what's ironic is he destroyed the one righteous person yep. to save the world. To redeem the world. And there's something really beautiful about that. Like, 
God who is the righteous one, who in that uh, Abrahamic covenant was the yep. one who upholds yep. both ends of the covenant, does it for us. But we have to understand the gravity of the sin, that there, we can't do it. Yep. There's nobody good. Yeah, I think, so I'm going to go a different direction just in a practical way. I think there's an indicator that we don't take our sin seriously or we don't understand it by a question that we ask a lot. Why do bad things happen to good yeah. people? The, the te- there is no good people. Yeah. Like, yeah. good people don't exist. Um, and I understand the heart of the question. Like, I understand, like, you, we meet people that are, like, have good qualities, and we go, why do bad things happen to them? But mm-hmm. bad things happen to all people because all people are bad. It's the quote. I think R.C. Sproul. Do you know this quote? Whatever. He's I don't like, know. You haven't said it yet. <laughs> uh, he said, um, why do bad things happen to good people? That only happened once. Yeah, and he, and he mm. volunteered for it. Mm. Right. Um, wow, that's good. Yeah, it's super convicting. Shout yeah. out, RC. Yeah, good, good old great cola. Just kidding. It's really not that good, but RC Cola. Is that, he oh. didn't create that, did he? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confident he didn't, and I have no idea. But well, wow. man, growing up, if you give me an RC Cola and a Moon Pie, ooh, that was good stuff. Like, I don't even you know that. Go right? to the state fair. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't even know that I've had an RC Cola. Yeah, I did. Well. Oh, well, I think one thing in this passage is that it points us to the extent of the goodness and the righteousness of God. Because even if we think of like earthly examples of leaders that maybe we look up to um, or we look to for spiritual guidance, like if we look to Billy Graham and we look talk about a lot of his teachings, but then if you would read this passage about him and you'd read this passage about us, you realize truly how far we are from the righteousness of God and how holy God truly is. And we've only seen glimpses of that. I mean, Christ was God's righteousness um, revealed to us, but truly we don't even understand the full extent of what God's holiness and what God's righteousness Mm. looks like. And if we did, we would truly understand how broken and horrible we are. But, yeah. yeah. Because we don't even understand. We, uh, We don't understand all that God has revealed about himself to us, and there's infinitely more about God that he hasn't even revealed yet. Um. Like, and that, uh, we were talking about that that Wednesday night that we talked to us. Like, man, there, there is, God has, re- all that we know is what God has chosen to, to seek us and to reveal about himself to us. But th- that honestly is in some ways contained in his word in a book. And he is far greater. I mean, John talks about this with yeah. the life of Jesus. Like, the books could not contain mm-hmm. the things yeah. about Jesus. And that is in the revelation of God. And God is infinite. So there, there's infinitely more about him than we will ever even understand, even in eternity. And that's why he's the only one sufficient to save. Um, and, you know, we, he ends this particular section that we just read um, that when he says, for no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law. So no matter how bad we are, and even though we don't recognize it, even if we did, we have no ability to fix it on mm-hmm. our own. And so all of this points us to our need for help and for a savior. Um, so we've got another episode coming where we're going to continue to um, understand the reality and the depth of sin. And then shortly after that, um, you know, we start to we start to get the, the glimpses of hope that we're we're desperate for. And that's that's the design, I really think, of and the beauty of Romans is help reveal those things but for now we're trying to stay on time so uh jd you want to kind of give we'll us some yeah. la- closing thoughts here yeah um man honestly like this whole section is you know people are bad people are i i do think it's interesting if we could kind of end with this um talks about though divided they are equally worthless um the scripture in the psalm that he's referencing uh 
is an interest. It words it differently, in an interesting kind of way. It says, um, "They have all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. Um, we are all equally worthless." And, and something important to remember: if you're listening to this and you're like, "Wow, JD, this is a downer," uh, I think if we, as we look at our world, uh, we see lots of division and we see lots of consternation and frustration on both sides two sides hate each other even if you look at our political climate there there's such hatred on either side and it's so fascinating because if you put uh like donald trump right up next to joe biden they're both equally and ironically together they are equally worthless they are beside each other in their worthlessness if you took me and you took Jenna and you took Wes and you took JD and you took anybody else at our church, regardless of our opinions on different things, if we are together next to each other, as close as we can be on the scale of worthlessness, like when it comes to earning our own salvation, we cannot do it. We cannot accomplish it. Um, and so if we're looking for unity, if we're looking for salvation, if we're looking for anything, we are all, as Jason said a few weeks ago in his sermon, we are all equal stand equal at the foot of the cross in need of salvation and the whole point of this romans passage the whole point of this beginning section of the book is so that you would recognize that you are in desperate need of a savior and if you do not have this savior you will be condemned eternally so great news (laughs) but you have to start there and so even in your your evangelism and that you do in your day-to-day life like the beginning, we have to recognize that there's a problem. And folks, there is a problem. It's our sin, but there is a Savior, and we're going to learn about him in the weeks to come.